Right, good morning. It is nice to see you, as always. Uh, we, we had an interesting day yesterday. So we went to a wedding. Uh, one of my colleagues from work uh, went to the service at Dunfermline Abbey, uh, up in Dunfermline. Uh, after the service, we looked at the wedding invite, uh, and I put in the postcode for the reception into the sat-nav in the car. So we set off, we drove for about 20 minutes, and as we got close to the venue, uh, I said to my wife, oh, this looks really familiar. Uh, I'm sure Andy, who was the groom, lives somewhere around here. Uh, and we kept on driving, and sure enough, a bit later I said to Liv, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Andy lives on one of these streets on the left. And the car took us, the sat-nav took us down the street on the left, and suddenly we stopped at Andy's house. Uh, at which point I realised I'd put in his address, uh, not the reception address to the sat-nav. So we put in the reception postcode, drove 20 minutes back the other way uh, to find that the reception was literally a few minutes up the road from the church. So we had a 40-minute round trip, uh, including a potty stop for Nathan, who was potty training, uh, to do a five-minute journey. Uh, Libs is also on the verge of giving birth. So as Luke said, assuming she doesn't give birth in the next half hour, uh, we'll be fine. If, he, if she does, uh, obviously, Luke will be up here preaching off the top of his head. Um, <laughs> to start with, can you stick your tongue out at me, please? Uh, genuinely, can you stick your tongue out, please? Uh, in Tibet, it's considered a greeting, so don't feel embarrassed about that. Um, the reason that we're doing that is we're going to speak this morning, or look at this morning, on the subject of a wise tongue. So if you have a tongue, and by the looks of it, most of you do, uh, there'll be something in this that is relevant for you. Uh, we're going to look at what does the Bible say about our tongue, and in particular the words we can form, uh, what should come out of our mouth and what shouldn't come out of our mouth. So what does the Bible say about our tongue? Uh, let me give you a few facts about the tongue to start with. Uh, the tongue is amazing, right? The tongue is pretty small, but it's one of the strongest muscles in your body. It's also one of the most sensitive. There's something like 10,000 taste buds on your tongue. Uh, let me give you another fact. Did you know this? Your tongue print is unique. If you put some ink on your tongue and then you would get a unique imprint, like your fingerprint. Your tongue is unique. You get a unique tongue print. Um, in terms of world records, uh, we have a picture of the world's longest tongue. It's pretty good, isn't it? So the guy on the left is Nick Stolberl uh, from USA, California who has a 10.1 centimetre long tongue from where it leaves his mouth to the tip of the tongue. However, the girl on the right, uh, Adrienne Lewis, is currently challenging that title. She's waiting to get her tongue verified by the Book of Records. <laughs> but either way, they're both pretty long tongues. I don't, can you touch your nose with your tongue? I can't. I, I mean, I can get to about there. That, she's pretty much touching her eye with her tongue. <laughs> that is an impressive tongue. Uh, the world's widest tongue is... Byron Slenka from New York. Uh, he has a tongue that is two centimetres wider than an iPhone 6. <laughs> and uh, the, it's true. Uh, the girl on the left is Emily, his daughter, and she holds the world records uh, for the widest female tongue. So father and daughter, they both have the world's widest male and female tongues. Um, OK, but whilst the tongue is interesting... Uh, God is more interested in what we do with our tongue and the words that come out of our mouth. Uh, God is interested in every word that comes out of our mouth. Uh, and the Bible's actually full of advice about our tongue, what we should say, what we shouldn't say. Uh, in Proverbs alone, there's a book of kind of wise sayings called Proverbs. There's over 90 Proverbs about the tongue in our speech. So the Bible is full of good advice about the tongue. 
Uh, and we're going to look at five things, just five things that the Bible says about our speech. Uh, you say about 10,000 words a day, by the way, on average. Uh, men say less, women say more. That, that, that is a genuine fact. Uh, most, you know, obviously there's exceptions, but average, roughly, there's about 10,000 words that you'll speak in a day. Uh, and God's interested in them. Okay, so, first point is, your tongue is more powerful than you realise. Your tongue is more powerful than you realise. Uh, if you have a Bible, we're going to read from the book of James. We're going to read a bit from James and a bit later on from Matthew, but we'll start in the book of James. Uh, if you have a Bible, it's right near the back. Uh, you've got the book of Revelation, then the books of uh, John, the books of Peter, and then just before that, the book of James. And we're going to read from verse 3 and see what he says. Okay, James says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we can guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse those made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Brothers, this ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Or neither can a salt pond yield fresh water? Okay, your tongue is uh, a massively powerful part of your body, disproportionately powerful for its size. Though it is small, it's massively powerful. Uh, James has three analogies in that passage. He talks about your tongue is like the bit that you put in the mouth of a horse. That's that little bit of metal in its mouth which directs the horse. Though it's a tiny bit of metal, it can direct where the horse goes. He says your tongue is like the rudder on a large ship. Though the ship is large, this tiny part of it can direct where it goes. And he says it's like a spark or a small fire that can set a whole forest ablaze. All of those analogies are saying the tongue is small, but it's massively powerful. It has big consequences. What you can say can direct your life. It can set a whole forest on fire. Um, let me give you a story. Chicago, 1871, half past eight in the evening. Okay, it's a true story. There was a spark started in Mrs. O'Leary's barn. Spark started in Mrs. O'Leary's barn. Before it was over, that one spark from one cow... Right, when I read the story, I stopped there. A spark from a cow. I don't know how a cow makes a spark. I kind of had an image of a cow with some flint and steel, but I presume it's like maybe his hoof on the concrete or something. But anyway, that one spark from one cow in Mrs. O'Leary's barn burnt 17,500 buildings, 300 people burned to death, and 125,000 were made homeless. One spark 
massive consequences. And James says your tongue is like a fire, like a spark that can set a whole forest on fire. What you say can have massive consequences. Uh, Verse 6, James says your tongue can corrupt your whole body. It can set the whole course of your life on fire. Verse 8, it says your tongue is full of deadly poison. Your tongue is like a weapon full of deadly poison. Uh, Proverbs says the tongue can bring death or the tongue can bring life. There's something powerful about your tongue can have huge consequences, what you say. Uh, Proverbs 15 says your tongue, it can be like a tree of life or it can crush someone's spirit. It can bring life, it can crush someone, it can bring life or death. Your tongue is powerful for its size. Uh, A quote from John MacArthur says, your tongue is a powerful instrument. It can tear down people. It can tear down churches. It can destroy relationships. It can wreck a marriage. It can devastate a family. It can rip up a nation. It can lead to murder. It can lead to war. I think I would put the positive slant on that quote. Your tongue is a powerful instrument. It can build up people. It can build up churches. It can strengthen relationships. It can save a marriage. It can unite a family. It can heal a nation. It can prevent murder. It can bring peace. For good or for bad, your tongue is massively powerful. Okay, so that's the first point. Your tongue is more powerful than you realise. Okay, secondly, what should we say and what shouldn't we say? Uh, The Bible is full of uh, things. Yes, we should say this. We shouldn't say this. And I've just put some highlights up on the screen. So there's a list on the left of some of the, the kind of the good things to give you a flavour of, yeah, this is good, this is what God likes. Uh, you can be encouraging, you can speak gently, uh, kind, words of peace, thankfulness, words that are true. That kind of gives you a flavour of some good stuff. Or the Bible's clear, there's things that we shouldn't say. So things like filthy language, or it says that God detests lying lips, uh, insults, gossiping, slander, uh, complaining, crude joking, foolish talk, all of those kind of things. So it's kind of like a flavour of what's good and a flavour of what's bad. And at this point, I need a volunteer. So that's one. In fact, I need two. Can I get a second volunteer, Chris. please? Chris, brilliant, thanks. <laughs> could, you, could one of you stand there, one stand here? And it's very important that you choose... Well, it's not to you where you choose, but... <laughs> Here we go here. Are you going to set us on fire? There's no fire. Good. But there is a blindfold. We need to take our phones out of our pockets. Uh, <laughs> I have. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Chris will be okay. Oh, what? <laughs> no, I'm taking, I'm taking. Uh, it does say the tongue's full of deadly poison. But uh, <laughs> you're not going to be poisoned. But you are going to drink something. Okay, all you need to do is just take a big gulp of the drink and just, just tell me what you think it is. Chris can go first. Do I tell you now? Uh, hang, hang on for a sec. Right now? Just one big sip. It's not poison, it's fine. Big gulp. Mmm, yum. <laughs> Do you know what? Okay, what, what was it? What was it? What did you reckon? 
Water? Yeah, what did you reckon? Salt water. Yeah, I, no, I'm amazed, good effort. Um, <laughs> Hard to miss. <laughs> when I did that at home, I, I did test it. I, I, I wanted to vomit. Did you not want to? I swim in the sea a lot. <laughs> well, on you go. Okay. Good work, guys, thank you. When, um, I should have chosen someone that wasn't quite so hardy as Nat, but um, James described the tongue as uh, this spring that can either bring fresh water or salt water. The thing about fresh water is it's tasty, uh, it's nice, it's refreshing, it does you good, it keeps you alive. Salt water is disgusting. Uh, Nat hid it very well, but your body can't digest salt water. If you ever kind of swallowed in the sea, it kind of makes you want to gag. Your body can't process it. It doesn't do you any good. That's why on a desert island, you can't just drink, drink the sea. It won't save you. But fresh water will. And James is saying, well, your tongue, it can be like, what comes out can be fresh water or salt water. It can be good or bad. It can build people up. It can tear people down. It can be positive or negative. So let me ask you a question. What best describes what comes out of your mouth? Would it be fresh water or salt water? Would it be things off this list on the left or things off the list on the right? Not just at coffee time. Okay, after church, at coffee, half an hour, I'm fairly sure there's going to be lots of encouragement, gentle, kind, peaceful words. But what about the rest of the week? What about the times when it's just you and your husband or wife or you and the kids or you on your own in the car? What comes out of your mouth? Is it fresh water or salty water? Uh, when you're with your colleagues, when, you're, when no one else is looking, wherever it would be. Uh, think of the last 24 hours. If, if George, if I had a, 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 a record, a transcript of everything George had said in the last 24 hours, and we read through it, what would we find? Would we find that things that are good and kind of bring life come out of his mouth, or would we think things that are salty and bring death have come out of his mouth? What would we find on your transcript? What has your tongue formed in the last day? Okay, this is important, really important. What comes out of your mouth is important because, verse 0.3, so the tongue is powerful. This is what we say, should say, shouldn't say. Point three, this is really important. What comes out of your mouth shows what's in your heart. What comes out of your mouth shows what's in your heart. Uh, we're going to read a little bit of Matthew 12. Uh, this is Jesus speaking about words and he says this Matthew 12 verse 33 either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit you brood of vipers how can you speak good when you're evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks other translations say out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks or what is in the heart comes out of the mouth the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. How we speak tells us about the condition of our heart. It's like when you go to the doctor. If you go to the doctor, they'll often look at your tongue. And by looking at your tongue, they can tell if you're sick. And it's true. As If you look at the words that your mouth, your tongue forms, it can tell something about the condition of your heart and what's inside. Uh, a quote from a... a a dead person a long time ago, uh, it says, speech is the mirror of the soul, as a man speaks, so he is. Speech is the mirror of the soul, as a man speaks, so he is. It's the revealer of the heart, and it's like, when life shakes you, when, when life gets tough, and 
I don't know, you're late for work, you're stuck in traffic, someone's just falsely accused you, someone's let you down when the toddlers have pooed on the carpet again, when you're ill, when you've got financial pressures. When life starts to shake you, James says, what comes out of your mouth tells you what's inside of your heart. It's like when life is pressing in on us, what comes out of the mouth? Because it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Okay. If anger comes out, you've got an angry heart. If impatience comes out, you've got an impatient heart. If gentleness comes out, you've got a gentle heart. If humility comes out, you've got a humble heart. If filth comes out, you've got a filthy heart. Jesus says it's about your heart. Speech indicates the condition of our heart. Uh, Interestingly, in Romans 3, this is quite a famous passage talking about the sinfulness of humanity. Paul is saying kind of how everyone has fallen short of the glory of God and sinned. He says this, he says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one understands, no one seeks God. And then he talks about their their speech. He says, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips and their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. When Paul is trying to describe the depravity of humanity and the sinfulness of humanity, he talks about their throats and their lips and their tongues and their mouths. There's something linked with how we say and the condition of our heart. What comes out shows us what's in our heart. Uh, I teach at a school, and this happens. This happened a few times where I've taught some new kids or some new pupils, and after a couple of weeks of teaching them, I just kind of think, do you know what? I think Catherine or I think Fraser, I reckon they might be a Christian. Uh, and a number of times it's turned out I've found out down the road that they, they are Christians, either at a, a parents' evening or they've said something about church or uh, sometimes they've come up to me and said, I, I hear you're a Christian, we're a Christian, and... But I kind of was thinking, what is it about those kids that you think, you know, I reckon they might be a Christian. And I don't think it's because I've got some amazing gift of discernment. I think it's just from what they say in class. The way they speak to their colleagues, the way they speak to the teacher, the, the kind of kindness, gentleness of their tongue gives evidence that there's something has gone on inside of them. Uh, I guess it would make sense. Jesus says we get a, or the Bible says we get a new heart when we're a Christian. And I guess if we get a new heart and the mouth speaks from the heart, then surely our speech is going to be affected. So yeah, well done to Catherine and Fraser and other kids at my school. Uh, but what comes out of your mouth is evidence of what's in your heart. Okay, so the, mouth, the tongue is powerful. It can be good or bad, build people up, tear people down. What comes out is a, an indicator of our heart. And then fourth point, every word matters. Every word matters. Uh, let's read the next two verses in the book of Matthew. So carrying on from what Jesus said about the, the mouth being the overflow of the heart. Jesus says this, he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That is a terrifying verse. I mean, that is saying that there is a day coming when you will stand alone before God and give an account for every careless word spoken. Uh, When I read that, I kind of was hoping that that wasn't the case. I was thinking, well, maybe he's just talking to the Pharisees, which is in that context. You know, maybe that's just for non-Christians. Maybe we're off the hook. But I don't think Paul does that. um, In Romans 14, Paul says to the Christians in Rome, he says, each one of us, i.e. me and you, each one of us, 
will give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5, he says, all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Like it or not, there's a day coming when we will stand before God and give an account for our life. And it would appear that would include every careless word spoken. I'm not sure how it's going to work. I'm not sure if that means literally every word, you know, God's going to go through. Why did you say that? Why did you speak about that person like that? Why did you call them that? Why did you share that joke? And we're going to have to give an account, but I don't know, but it says here, every word we'll give an account for. Um, have you ever said anything in private that's been overheard? You know, you've spoken to someone and then you realise actually they're about someone and they're just standing behind you. Have you had that moment? Have you had that moment where you text uh, about someone? Uh, I've done this where you're, you're writing something about someone to someone else, but then you press their name in the contacts and you send it to the person you're talking about. And then in that moment, you're like, cancel, 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 cancel. Uh, and then it pops up, message sent. And you're like, oh my goodness. Uh, have you ever had, uh, I've had this before where we've got baby monitors in our house because of our, our, our kid, Nathan. Uh, and you've got guests in the lounge. Uh, and you maybe go into the bedroom with your wife and you say something like, this wasn't the words that we said, but you know, I'd, oh, it's really hard work, isn't it, with them? Uh, not realising that it's connected to the lounge. <laughs> But there's a day coming when everything will be revealed. Jesus says even what's spoken in the inner room will be shouted from the rooftops. Uh, Facebook reminded me, this is bizarre, it happened yesterday, and I just kind of felt challenged by it. Three years ago, uh, I, I ranted on Facebook. Uh, and yesterday it popped up and said, hey, just a reminder that three years ago, this is what you posted. I was like, great, thanks. I, I'd just driven to Kent in a weekend there and back, about 1,000 miles in one weekend. And I was just caravans and people that drive below the speed limit, and people that hog the middle lane, and I just ranted on Facebook about them. Uh, and then it reminded me, hey, this is what you were like three years ago. Um, <laughs> but do you know what? There's a day coming when everything we've said, whether it was in private or whether it was in a, a group context, where we'll give an account for every word we've spoken. Uh, Isaiah, when he was face-to-face -face with Jesus, he, he had this moment where he, he saw Jesus in his glory, and he said, woe to me. Does anyone know what the next bit is? Woe to me, a man of unclean lips. And it says, I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And it's almost like he saw God and he was intensely aware of the state of his mouth. Woe to me, a man of unclean lips. And I think it will be similar to us when we see God face to face. Uh, I think that's motivating enough to consider how we speak. Uh, if we know we're going to give an account for every word, surely we need to be careful with how we speak. If I gave you a million pounds and said to you, I want you to look after this till next week, next Sunday. Uh, look after this briefcase full of a million pounds. Don't let anything happen to it. Next Sunday, we're going to count every note to check it's still there. If you knew that you were guarding that and you, have to, you had to give an account for every note, you would guard it diligently. How much more should we guard our tongue? Every word, if we know we're going to give an account for it. Okay, let me give you a question. Okay, on that day, what is your plan? On that day when you stand alone before Jesus, what is your plan? I think there's two options, plan A, plan B. Okay, plan A would be to get to that day having never said anything wrong. And if you've never said anything wrong, you can get to that day and Jesus will be like, I don't know, something like... Uh, no, it's just well done. <laughs> I was trying to think of some kind of 
a year of perfect lips, but, you know, and then that would be great because you have nothing to give account for. But if you're like me, you will have said thousands of things in your lifetime which you regret. Thousands of words that you've spoken in anger, where you've lashed out, where you've hurt people. I know that I've said things that have hurt people in my life. Things that you regret, things that were blasphemous, things that were rude. And I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to ask me to give an account for that. What is your plan for that day? So plan A, arriving with nothing to give account for, is not true. What's your plan B? My plan B is Jesus. That on that day when I'm standing before God and aware of my sin and how I've messed up in my life, the only answer I'm going to be able to give is, I think we're going to be aware of, what, what a mess, I'm so sorry. That's why I trusted in your son Jesus. That's why I needed your son Jesus. Uh, I love that song, uh, to God be the glory, great things he has done. So love to the world, he gave us his son. Listen to this, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon received. Uh, we sang this morning, what do we air? Uh, God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. It's because of Jesus that we can be pardoned. It's because of Jesus that we don't have to be held responsible for our sin, for what we've done wrong, what we've said wrong, what we've done wrong. It's because of him that we're forgiven. Do you know, Jesus has forgiven every word you've spoken. Whether it's in the past or the future, Jesus is the solution. And it says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It might be an uncomfortable moment, and I think we will be aware of our sinfulness, but also therefore deeply grateful that we have a saviour to rescue us that has already paid the price for those sins. That's the only plan B that I know of. Let me say this, if you're not yet a Christian, what is your plan for that day? When you stand before God to give an account of your life, you must believe. You don't want to get to that day with no hope. You don't want to be standing before God, hearing accusations of what you've done, and have no reply. Jesus is your hope. Jesus is the only hope, the only answer, the only way to be forgiven and pardoned. So that's why we need to put our trust in Jesus. You know, we sing about being saved, don't we? But we're, we're saved from something. It's amazing, actually. We are saved, genuinely, because of what Jesus has done. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Okay, finally. So, the tongue is more powerful than you think. Uh, we can say good things, we can say bad things. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks, and we will give an account for every word we speak. Finally, and this might seem a little bit strange, but no human can tame the tongue. Uh, that's what James said in verse 8. No human can tame the tongue. And I think the implication is, therefore, we need God's help. We can't tame our tongue on our own. We actually we need the help of God and his Holy Spirit to change our hearts and, therefore, our tongues. I think God can do that in an instant, or it can take a lifetime. Uh, for me, when I was 16 and became a Christian, I, I used to swear a lot. Uh, I was on a football team, and every time an opponent scored a goal or went past me, I would instinctively swear. That was kind of what all of my friends, all, you know, that's just how we lived. Uh, and when I got saved, it was in a moment that God changed my tongue uh, and, and stopped me swearing. And God can do that. In a moment, he can change you. You know, whether it's you're struggling with gossiping or struggling to say nice things or whatever it is, God can meet you in a moment. Or it might take a, a process. The whole idea of taming something takes a long time. You know, if you're going to tame a, a lion or a dog, 
that doesn't happen instantly. You need to train it and tame it and work with it. And it's the same with our tongue. We might need to tame our tongue over a lifetime. It might be a moment where God meets you, or it might be a, you working with the Holy Spirit over a lifetime. But either way, God wants us to consider and think about what we say. Uh, Psalm 39 says, I'm going to guard my ways that I won't, so that I won't sin with my tongue. I'm going to guard my mouth with a muzzle. Uh, James talks about be quick to listen but slow to speak. I think there's a, that idea of let's not just blurt out. Let's be thoughtful about what we say. Let's keep a tight rein on our tongue. But we need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. So the tongue is more powerful than you think. There's things we shouldn't shouldn't say. You can either be this tree of life or you can crush someone. You can bring death or you can bring life. It comes out of our heart. Every word matters. And we so need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us if we're going to tame this tongue, this restless evil that lives in our mouths. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think we're going to sing a song. So if you want to stand, uh, perhaps we'll pray and then we're going to sing Jesus. Let's, let's just close our eyes. Let's just draw near to God. I think there's a few things that, as we sing and in this moment, you can respond to. Uh, I think, firstly, that perhaps you don't have a, a plan for that day when you'll stand before Jesus to give an account of your life. And if that's you, then the response that you need to make is to respond to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I've messed up. I need your forgiveness. I want to put my trust in you because you're the solution, you're the answer. So perhaps that's how you need to respond. Perhaps you need to respond. Perhaps God's convicted you of something. Perhaps you, you know, as maybe as those two lists came up earlier, you just felt the Holy Spirit put his finger on something and say, yeah, that's the thing that you need to work on. That's the thing that you need my help to change. Uh, and if that's true, then perhaps you could just speak that to God as we sing. Oh, God, help me in this area. Help, help me change my heart with regards to this. Help, help me keep a rein on this part of my tongue. Uh, or for the rest of us, perhaps we just need to say, Holy Spirit, I need you more because I, I can't tame this tongue. I can't tame this thing in my mouth and I need your help if I'm going to honour you with it. So as we sing, let's do one of those three things. Uh, I'll pray and then we'll sing. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you've given us a tongue. Uh, what a powerful thing that you've put in our mouths, you've given us responsibility for. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you help us to tame it, that we might honour you with it, that we might bless people and encourage people and build people up. For some of us, that might be the thing, actually, is that God might have put his finger on something for you. Actually, this is the area you need to stop. Others of us, it's actually, you need to do this more. Perhaps you need to encourage more or uh, bless people more. So, Lord, whatever it is, whether it's to stop things or to do more of the good stuff, help us, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit's help. I pray we'd have tongues that honour you. Uh, and, Jesus, I just thank you for that day that actually there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, it's going to be a glorious day where we're going to meet our Saviour. We're going to have hearts full of gratitude, overflowing with joy because we're meeting the Saviour, the one that we've worshipped and loved in this lifetime. I, I thank you, we're going to be even more in awe than we are now when we see you face to face and we become so aware of what you achieved for us. Jesus, I thank you, that's our destiny. Lord, I pray there'd be no sense of condemnation this morning, just that sense of thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're, you're an even better saviour than I realised. We're so grateful. 
So Lord, bless us, help us, fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.